And we're back. It's Jonathan Williams back in the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Bricks and Mortar podcast, well, that's a podcast about property. If you've got an interest in property buying, selling, renting, or selling property, then I'm sure that we'll have something that floats your boat and lights your candle. It's been a little while since we've been talking, hasn't it? We've had Christmas, we've had New Year, and no doubt you're thinking... I should be getting some resolutions sorted out. Maybe you've already sorted out your resolutions. Maybe you've had your resolutions and as we're coming towards the beginning of February, they've maybe already been kicked into touch. What you've got to try and do is you've got to try and get some powerful habits. If you can get some powerful habits put in place, better strategies, then you'll be able to get routines in place that will then allow you to achieve what you want to achieve as far as the resolutions are concerned. And I've been listening to a guy, in fact, watching some videos, a guy called Brendan Burchard. Um, he, he's a, an American uh, gentleman who, once you get over his shiny teeth and his endless enthusiasm, he's actually got some good stuff to say. So if you're at all interested in that self-improvement malarkey, then look him up. Yeah, look him up on the on the webs. Brendan Bruchard is his name. Uh, he's all talking about triggers. Uh, one of the things that he teaches all these punters is that one of the best triggers is that when you're walking into a room, that should be one of the triggers that then triggers an action so what he's saying to his clients is that when he goes into and he teaches a lot of top level executives, or at least he says he teaches a lot of top level executives. And what he teaches them is that when he's going in, when they're going into a, a new room and they go through the door, then every time they go through that door, they think of three particular words. And these are trigger, trigger words that will then keep them on task as far as their habit is concerned. Pretty interesting stuff. And uh, he's, as I say, he's he's all teeth and, and all America, but he's got some good stuff to uh, to say. So give it a go and see what you think. As far as habits are concerned, one thing, I know that I've not done the podcast for about two or three weeks, and really that's something that I want to get into the habit of is trying to crack one of these out on a weekly basis. So where we'd left it last time was that we had gone through the affordability, we'd gone through the uh, decision in principle and also the application. And what I want to do now is to explore in a, a bit deeper, uh, explore the individuals who are involved in the transaction. So we're going to go through and talk about first-time buyers in this particular episode. We'll talk about home movers. We'll go and then talk about sole traders or, or sole directors. Buy to let. We'll touch on buy to let in an episode. The elderly, the expat, and also the guarantor type mortgage. So that's all for the future. Let's get cracking now and let's talk first-time buyers. Okay, the time has come when your folks sit you down and they say, 
you know what? You're 32. What the bloody hell are you still at home for? You need to bugger off and get your own place. Have you had that conversation? Do you need to have that conversation? Maybe you're fed up renting. Maybe you're just back from university. You've got your first job and you think, you know what? I had all my freedoms at university. The last thing I want to have is to have to kowtow to my parents. Or maybe you're moving in with your partner. Or maybe you've been thrown out. But you are a first-time buyer. And what you need to understand is that there are three, as far as I'm concerned, there are three most important things that you need to be looking at as a first-time buyer when we're talking the pounds, shillings and pence of getting a mortgage. And I'll tell you what they are. You're looking at your credit report, your deposit and affordability. I think you need to nail those three things, quite possibly even before you start looking for a property. Because if you don't nail the credit report, you haven't sorted out your deposit, then you might as well not even talk about affordability being the third thing in the topic of mortgages. So listen, we'll crack ahead, we'll talk about those three and then we'll wrap it up. Let's talk credit report. So your credit report is something that the lenders are going to have a look at and they're going to cast their eye over that. Your credit report is, as I've said on, on many occasions, it's a window into for the lenders into how you deal with credit. You're entering into a credit agreement with your lender and the lender's want, going to want to have something of what you have done in the past with regards to credit. And that's where the credit report comes in. It tends to be out of a, 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 of a thousand, certainly the Experian report. There's, there's three reports, I guess. You've got your Experian report, uh, you've got your Equifax, and um, you've got your, your Noddle report. Your Noddle's the free one. I would go for either Experian or Equifax. You would have thought, wouldn't you, that the credit reports would be exactly the same, but far from it. A lot of the lenders will use Equifax, and in fact, we've certainly come across recently where there have been entries that have been included with the Equifax report that haven't shown up in the Experian report. So I can't quite understand or get my head around how that should happen. One would have thought that your credit is your credit and, and if you're calling yourself a, um, a credit search company, why would they miss out some credit? Can't get my head around that, but it does happen. So I would go with either Experian or Equifax. They will give you detail of, first of all, what credit commitments you have currently and how you have got on with regards to keeping up payments, okay? Defaults are not good, CCJs are not good, and I have to say that if your credit report is a bit smelly, then you're gonna be struggling to get a mortgage on the high street. The good news is that if your credit report is down amongst the dead men, then you know if you take some corrective action, then you should be able to get it sorted out. It might be the death knell 
of you getting a mortgage in the next 12 months, but you should, if, if you carry out the appropriate actions, you should be able to get yourself sorted out uh, so that you can get back onto the market. So that is your credit report. Uh, as I say, it gives you gives the, the lenders and identifies you as a credit risk and then it gives you a credit score which the lenders will look at. It will identify whether or not you're a good risk or a bad risk. And there are things that you can do to sort it out. So that's the credit report. Next, let's talk deposit. Back in the day, and I'm talking 1992, I think was when I bought my first flat, fresh faced out of university, first time buyer. This is probably early 90s, I think. I'm coming out of university. Uh, the last thing I want to do is to go back and uh, live with my folks. And so I decide, myself and my partner, decide that we'll take a, a mortgage over a flat in Deniston, Finley Drive, I recall it was, and we ended up getting a 100% loan. Now, these days, 100% loans just don't really exist. Um, Barclays have got a scheme whereby, on the face of it, it looks like a 100% loan, but it, it's uh, you need to have the deposit there, and, and the deposit uh, is then put into uh, an account and you get the, the benefit of 100% of a, a loan as long as that money remains in the account. Um, but as I say, back in the day, you used to just rock up to your bank, ask for 100% loan, and most of the high street lenders, most, certainly most of the banks, were prepared to give you 100%. Uh, I remember back in 1992, I ended up, oh God, I think it was about 13, 14% interest rates. Yeah, that's 13 or 14% interest rates. Uh, we had come out of the ERM and Nigel Lawson and the whole the whole place was, uh, was going to rack and ruin. It didn't stay at 13% for very long, but when you're talking about a base rate now of 0.25% and you talk to to the young folk about that they just look at you and they just think that you're talking a different language so deposits you can you, you need to make sure that you get your deposit sorted out you do need to start saving it is one of the most important things i think that if you can have a deposit put in place then the lender is you're, you're first of all going to have a better chance of getting uh, lending if you're able to to show a deposit and you're not going to have to rely upon uh, a, a guarantor or the bank of mum and dad. So I think you need to think long in advance that if you're wanting to buy a property, for goodness sake, start saving so that you hopefully don't have to rely upon the bank of mum and dad. There is uh, an ISA out there, Help to Buy ISA, where the government will give you uh, some assistance with regards to that. But what you need to be aware of is that the, I think it's 25% that the government will give. So for every pound you put in, they give you 25p. What you need to be aware of is that that interest that the government are giving you, you're not going to get that until after completion. 
So in essence, it's probably going to be used for the interest is going to be used for your stamp duty if you're buying something at over £145,000 or it'll go towards, say, your uh, registration dues or the legal fees at the end of the transaction. Um, I guess the reason that they do that is that they want to make sure if you're getting a help to buy ISA, the government want to make sure that you're actually going to buy a property. And so therefore they have to go through this rigmarole where the solicitor signs off that you've actually bought a property and then the money will be sent over to you. So I would certainly be thinking, set your stall out at a very early stage and make sure that you're putting some money aside You've also got the help to buy. Um, help to buy is wrapping up, I have to say. So your help to buy, which will assist your uh, on the on new build side of things. Uh, you can also have a look at that. Uh, you'll still need your 5% deposit, but certainly help to buy on the new build is something that has been incredibly popular. So that's another area that you want to explore. But certainly get a deposit because it's going to mean you are going to be in a better position to get your offer accepted. Finally, we're going to talk about affordability. I would be suggesting that you get in touch with somebody so that you can understand as an individual, as a first-time buyer, you can understand exactly how much you will be able to borrow. Because there's no point, I think, going out and looking at flats or properties when you have not got any clue at all as to how much you're going to be able to afford. Now, there's three times your salary, four times your salary, four and a half times your joint, your joint income. The best thing for you to do is either get in touch with a broker who will take you through uh, how to actually work out what is going to be affordable and not in the eyes of the lender or you can go online and there's various calculators you just need to look at the various lenders and look for affordability calculator and then as long as you're armed with your income uh, I think you probably need to put in your date of birth some uh, lenders will use algorithms some you actually need to put in what expenditure you've got what credit commitments that you've got and it's just a case of inputting all the information pressing the button and then it will come out with an amount that they are prepared to lend now what you need to understand is that that is only an indicative amount it will still need to go to underwriting when you're doing the decision in principle and also further underwriting when the application gets put through. So it's only an indicative amount. Uh, and there's many a time where you get given information from a client, you come away with the affordability only for something to come out of the woodwork that the client hasn't told you about. So that's where, when we're talking affordability, we're talking also to make sure that we've had sight of the Equifax or Experian report so we know exactly what we're dealing with. So from a first-time buyer's perspective, those are the three most important things I think you as a first-time buyer need to look at. First one is make sure that you've got your credit report 
and make sure that there are no smellies in that. Do as best as you can to get yourself a deposit because as I say, if you can get yourself a deposit, the whole and 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 that if that you can make that deposit, you know a ten percent deposit, a fifteen percent deposit, then you're going to get a better deal, and it's, you're going to get an easier ride from the lenders with regards to getting that all important mortgage, and then finally affordability. Don't start looking at properties until you know what the bank are going to lend you. And that's it. Good luck. Okay, that's a wrap up there. That's as dealt with the first time buyers. And as I say, three things within that first time buyers that they need to look at. The Experian report, the deposit and the affordability. Um, I'm going to wrap up now. I think next week what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the mover. So that's when you're going to be buying and selling on the same day. There's a few intricacies that you need to understand and know about as far as the mortgage side of things, because obviously if you're going to be buying and selling, you're gonna to have to make sure that you know how much you're gonna to have to pay to redeem your mortgage. So we'll talk about that next week. I'm off now, I'm gonna, I need to, honestly start thinking about what I'm going to be doing as far as training for these half Ironmans. I've got myself down for four half Ironmans during the summer. First one kicks off on the 21st of May. It seems quite a long way away and I think I'm starting training. I'm going to do a 12-week programme so that should keep me out of mischief. And I think 12-week probably starts I think the 20. 9th I think of January I think that's when I'm going to have to to kick off um, probably going to be training five six uh, times a week and uh, half Ironman for those of you who don't know you're looking at a 1.2 mile swim you're then looking at 56 miles on the bike and then a half marathon to finish and as I'm talking uh, about that half Ironman I'm looking at my triathlon bike which uh, does not have a saddle on it and does not have any wheels. So I guess if I'm going to think seriously about getting some training done in the next two weeks, I better find out where my blinking tyres are and I better get myself a saddle. So I'm going to sign off. Do get in touch with me. As I say, we're on the Bricks and Mortar podcast. You can get me under the usual offices. Try me on the uh, the, uh, the email, jonathanwilliams at begleybrown.co.uk that's jonathanwilliams at begleybrown.co.uk we are marching ahead on the social media side of things I'm doing a lot of video casts on LinkedIn you can catch me on LinkedIn and the Facebook page has started really to ramp up I'm pleased to say really getting some good traction there on the Facebook pages mainly because there's a lot of are joined up to a lot of Facebook property um, uh, pages and there's there's thousands of people there. It seems to be that maybe that's one of of, uh, of everybody's resolutions that they're going to get into to property. It's a difficult game to get into and you certainly need to know your way about that. So hopefully you'll enjoy or have enjoyed what we've talked about there as a first time buyer. Do stay in touch and we'll catch you on the other side. It is, it's Jonathan Williams. It's the Bricks and Water podcast. 
sideways look at property.